Hey everyone, it's Rebecca. You're listening to Superwomen. Before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to do some shameless plugging. So if you haven't bought the handbag or an incredibly appropriate Zoom sweatshirt, aka our best-selling Janine, head over to my site. This podcast is brought to you by the support of you. So would love for you to buy some gifts, enjoy some of our sales that we're having, and just support the cause and the brand that floats this podcast. Also, I'm not sure if you've heard, but I launched a fragrance. It is available at Macy's and Nordstrom and Birchbox and Scentbird. So I highly, highly advise you smell good from the comfort of your bed or living room. Hey everyone, you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Kara Golden, the founder and CEO of Hint Water. If you are sick of water and want to add a little bit of flavor to it, uh, you'll definitely enjoy this episode where we hear about how she built her business out of a true desire to find something on the market that didn't exist and the incredible doubters she encountered along the way. Take a listen. Kara, welcome to Superwomen. I'm so glad to be interviewing you today. Very excited to be here. I was so happy when we first got to meet and then connect on your podcast and recently read your book, but you're really known as a disruptor and a thought leader, obviously most well known for Hint Water, which you founded and are the CEO. But I would love to kind of hear from you, like, what do you consider you? So I I call myself an accidental entrepreneur because I did not plan on actually being an entrepreneur. I, you know, had grown up kind of in media and in tech. And then when I had this problem with my health, I was trying to solve the problem. Basically, I was looking for a product that really helped me to enjoy water because I wasn't drinking enough water. I was drinking a ton of diet soda, Diet Coke in particular. And when I decided based on the ingredients that I was reading on the label to just start drinking water as a test, just to see if that would kind of help not only clear up my skin that had developed terrible adult acne, but also my energy levels and my weight that I had gained through uh, three pregnancies. That's when I couldn't believe it. When I jumped on the scale two and a half weeks later, I had lost 24 pounds, my skin cleared up, and I had all this energy. And my biggest thing was that I just didn't like the taste of water. And I started slicing up fruit and throwing it in water just to flavor it. That's when, you know, I really started realizing kind of the industry as a whole. I had been fooled by this word diet and Diet Coke. And, you know, so many other products were out there that were kind of healthy perception versus healthy reality, including, you know, like a vitamin water, which isn't water at all. And and so this lens that I had was just like it it was bothersome right like i i felt like there were so many people that i knew including me and people with you know much worse issues were trying to solve this health issue and you know they were just giving up because they just thought that it was just them it wasn't anything else so that's when i just thought gosh i should just try and get a product on the shelf at whole foods and what's the worst that could happen if if it didn't work out or i could couldn't make it happen then I could always go back to being in tech. I had built a successful e-commerce business within AOL. And, and so that's really how I, I viewed it. But even you know when I actually got it on the shelf, friends were saying to me, that's so cool that you launched a company. And I'm like, a company? There's, there's like three SKUs. I mean, I'm not launching a company. I've worked at companies. This is like 
I don't know what this is, but it's not a company. I, I sort of refused to, to actually believe what I had actually done. So, you know, again, go back to sort of viewing myself as an entrepreneur that, that solved a problem. I guess to answer your question, it would be, you know, I think I, a curious problem solver. I think you make a good point. It's almost like we're accidental entrepreneurs. Like I didn't ever say, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I literally was like, I need a bag that's going to do X, Y, and Z. You know, just like you needed, you needed to solve something for what you were going through. Yeah, totally. So why is it that you've been able to stand out and have such success with a product? And like you said, vitamin water isn't water, right? There's all these gimmicks and things that market themselves as something healthy. And so how did you sort of set yourself apart from that, from a marketing perspective and from a product perspective? So I think what I did, and it was purely by not having, you know, traditional beverage experience or or even marketing experience, what I did was focus on the customer. I mean, from day one, we, we had a, an 800 number and a um, email on our bottle. And I started hearing from customers. We Whole Foods was our first location where we were available. And but literally the first day I was hearing from customers, you know, thank you so much for developing this product. I finally got this got a water that, you know, tastes better that is really helping me enjoy water. Um, we'd hear from uh, others that it was actually helping them uh, get through chemotherapy treatments because it masked the metallic taste. So I felt like what I like every single day. I looked back to those to those customer emails and thought, you know, I got to be doing something right. It can't just be me. It's really I'm actually helping people. And I always share with people now that you know they're like, what What would you never do? And I said, I don't. I don't know that I could ever work for a company or start a company that didn't have kind of that dialogue and relationship with the customer because it it's just it's so powerful and energizing to me and to some extent what I've been able to experience through it of of really having it being in this role where I help people I mean who wouldn't want that right like everyone wants to be helpful and to me it's like not that hard to actually be helpful to people just by getting a product on the shelf. But again, I think that that's when, I mean, it's one one of the things that I really talk about in the book and in my new, new book that I just launched, Undaunted Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. It's like, it sounds great to be able to go get it on the shelf, but then all of a sudden these doubts creep into your head saying like, you know, what am I doing? I'm not making any money. For me, I had four kids under the age of six at home. I, you know, recognized that I didn't have any experience in the beverage industry, but so did everybody else because I didn't know the vocabulary. I had never dealt with distributors before. All of these, you know, people that would really kind of size me up as not kind of having the right experience to be able to A, launch a product or B, be successful. And so, you know, I just felt like if I just kept focusing back on the customer and hearing from this customer that I was actually solving a problem that, you know, these other companies that were older, that were, you know, bigger, that were out there were were not focused on, then that would actually help me to continue moving on. And I think there's this misconception that, you know, entrepreneurs are super people, right? Like they're relentless, they're, you know, confident, they've never had failures along the way. And, and also that they're either 
um, unicorns or they're a failure. And what I found just in my journey was I would, you know, meet amazing entrepreneurs like you, Rebecca, too, and really hear these stories of like some of the challenges and the scrappiness and, and, you know, and that you had doubts and that you learned from your failures. And, and frankly, in every industry, it's the same story. And you didn't really know how you did it. Like, it was like, well, I went this way, and then I turned around and went the other way, or this happened or whatever. And so, I really wanted to share those stories with people who are not only entrepreneurs, but are just going through challenging times. And obviously 2020 for everybody has had, you know, their challenges and to some people, you know, higher degrees than, than others. But the number of people who told me that, you know, you're not going to be able to launch this company because you have four kids under the age of six. And I'm like, you know, of course I think, I think that too, right? I don't need to be reminded about it. Today, we're able to show that that's not the case. And today we're the largest non-alcoholic beverage in the country that doesn't have a relationship with Coke, Pepsi, or Dr. Pepper Snapple. And again, because I had passion, because I was curious and not because I had the experience and what I've really found in every industry is that experience sometimes prevents you from being able to change and be able to innovate and think about things differently. Um, it really takes the outsiders to come in, consumers to come in and start asking, you know, the questions like why. But again, I didn't know that back then. And and I just kept asking and and really listening to the customer. I think the curiosity part is so key. And I and I think that I've yet to meet an entrepreneur who said it's an easy path, but I feel like even I'm surprised sometimes like, oh, it's still this hard. Oh, it's still this much work. The fact that you did that with four kids under six, what were your coping tips? How did you compartmentalize? (laughs) Like, how did you even survive? Because I have three under, well, now they're three under nine, but like, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I think it's exasperated today because- you know, I, I definitely, when the kids got a little bit older, they were able to go to preschool and, you know, and then grade school. But it was, um, I mean, I really give it to anybody who's dealing with homeschooling and, you know, having to keep your kids active when they don't have after school activities, all of those things. And I certainly am, I'm managing a company dealing with employees who have all of those issues as well. And it's just, you know, it's super challenging. I mean, I clearly had help. I had the nanny that was and different nannies along the way with sort of different skill sets as well as the kids grew to be able to not just play soccer with them or do a puzzle with them, but also be able to help them with homework, right? Like I'm I've I really thought about like what do my kids need in order to kind of do what I need to to do along the way. But what I found later, and there's a chapter in my book on on this, I remember hearing my son, Keenan, who's now 18, and he was 12, and he heard Sheryl Sandberg on television talking about that women should be leaning in and, and that women weren't CEOs. And I remember sitting at the dinner table and hearing him ask me, Mom, so why, why are you a CEO? And I'm thinking, okay, where are we going with this conversation? And and he said, you know, that that lady on the television said that women aren't CEOs. So how come you're a CEO and you're a great CEO? Like, why why are 
people thinking that women can't be CEOs. And so what I realized is that in this house of, you know, two boys and two girls, that I have an opportunity to, to really be the example in a world where that is not so common. And what I've now realized that I've developed is a son and, and as well as, you know, another son and daughters who understand that women actually can lead and founders 15 years later can still be the CEO. And, you know, that actually my husband's our chief operating officer and that husbands and wives can work together. And I think I'm actually raising kids now that are, you know, learning by example and would be more than happy to work for a woman, right? Like that's, that is the the key thing. I didn't know that 15 years ago. And, you know, I probably beat myself up a few times kind of wondering whether or not it was the right decision to be working and starting a company. But I'm a hundred percent happy I did because I think that they are not only from a gender standpoint, do they not only, you know, see the the kind of differences that they've been raised in, but also they understand a lot about business and about things that I think about and how to raise money as well as supply chain issues and things like that. So I think that that's the, the, the key thing to not be afraid to sort of engage with your children on this topic either. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm so curious to look back on the pandemic and see how women leaders managed with their teams versus men, because I feel like there is this unspoken crisis that's happening within corporate America of all the all the people that have kids and what we're doing and the women leaving the workforce because they're just like, fuck it. You know, how have you maybe led differently than your peers during this pandemic? I don't know about my peers, um, but I, I feel like I can you know, speak for me and sort of, you know, what I've noticed, I think that's different. I feel like the key thing that I'm seeing is we've always talked about teams and like making sure that teams are treated equally. And, you know, for example, if, if our finance team wants to go out and have, have a dinner on hint, right? Like we're always, I'm always very like, oh, the creative team needs to be able to do that and, you know, et cetera. And also from a gender perspective, like I've always been really, you know, focused on making sure that there's equality throughout. When the pandemic hit, I think that there was so much one-on-one that really needed to be addressed um, because people had different challenges. And, and, you know, we, the remote aspect of our company was actually not as challenging as maybe some other companies dealt with. Um, So we sort of jumped right in. We have an office in San Francisco and a small office in New York and, and, um, but everybody had computers that they could take home and that 
aspect of it was pretty easy. But I think that what we saw was that there were so many individual situations where somebody had their elderly parents living with them. They were breast cancer survivors. They were, um, they had, you know, kids that where their school wasn't open. And, and so I feel like the one-on-one was never kind of in sort of how do we lead? And it clearly is something that is super, super important. And I would also say, I feel like just the mental health and and depression um, standpoint has really sort of showed up as well, that I think that there are a lot of people who I would not have predicted as kind of being candidates for, for that. And I think that, you know, depending on their situation, if they were living alone and didn't have any people around that, you know, for, for them, I think actually the communication that they have at work and really being around people was really critical. And maybe they didn't even know how critical it was. And so I think that there, again, is a lot of, you know, checking in one-on-one, like, how are you doing? Like, are you good? You know, is everything fine? Because I really think that there's stresses that have shown up in this pandemic that I haven't seen in my entire work life. So I think that that's a key thing. Yeah, it's ironic because you have the people that are lonely, like a a woman that works for us is so lonely, right? And seeking humanity. And I'm like, oh my God, I'd love to be alone. (laughs) I'd love to be away from my kids for a minute, you know? So it's just a very funny, the, the different triggers that mentally set us off, you know? Yeah, and I think it's it's just so it's super key um, to sort of recognize, you know, but as somebody, as one person said to me around this whole topic, it's like, I'm like, really? Like, I'm not bored at all. Like I have too many people. I'm like, until we figured it out, we were fighting for bandwidth around the house. I mean, I had four teenagers that were, you know, if they weren't on Zoom sessions with their classes, they're on, you know, Fortnite with, kids around the world. I mean, they're, that's what we were like, like, I love the alone time, but there's other people that, you know, they don't have that family at home and they asked to go back into the office and work from there. And we let them, I mean, because we were, we, you know, they were able to socially distance and we have five different kind of smaller offices. And so we can, luckily we're set up to be able to really be able to do that. Um, so, you know, that worked super well. But it, you know, it's hard. It's hard for people. And I think, again, I think that the the triggers and, you know, even doing something maybe to some extent, like being a mom as well, I think that I've been able to sort of talk to people a little bit, you know, sort of on like, hey, what's going on? And have you just turned off the television? Just not yeah. just because I think that it can really trigger stuff. And I think that it's just super important to recognize that as a leader and forget about like all the tools and they have all of that stuff. I mean, that's, that's really, I think that that is just a given, but also just trying to help people figure out how else can we be helpful and supportive? Yeah, totally. So I want to touch on one thing I remember from your book, but it was a meeting you had with a high ranking executive. I can't remember which beverage company it was. And he kind of laughed at you and said, good luck. And there's no reason why you should do this. And I feel that so many people encounter that, whether it's their own company or their boss or an idea in a meeting. And so what did you sort of, can you, can you go into detail about that experience and how you sort of came out of it? Yeah. So basically 
I, it was about a year into the company and I was trying to figure out how to get a proper shelf life for the product. That's what Whole Foods wanted, as well as how to actually distribute the product so that we could go national in a, in a big way. And frankly, I was just tired. Like I was just like, gosh, this is way harder than I thought it was going to be. And so I reached out to this Coca-Cola executive, senior executive and, and said, Hey, you know, do you knew a friend of, I was introduced through a friend and, and I was, you know, really proudly explaining how we had grown this brand on the West coast and whole foods and some other stores and that it was actually people were buying it and it was doing really well. And that's when he interrupted me and said, sweetie, Americans love sweet. This product isn't going anywhere. And I was like, whoa, like what, what just happened? You know, he just called me sweetie. Um, and of course, didn't actually say anything because I was so shocked by him saying this over the phone. And that's when I just let him keep talking. And, you know, and what I realized is that I was actually learning about his strategy and what they believed they had to do with the consumer. And it was funny because, I mean, this is 15 years ago. People weren't even talking about mission-based companies or purpose companies. They were, you know, it was just a beverage company. I always viewed this company and sort of my mission for launching it was really around health. He never said the word health the entire conversation. And so that's really when I recognized that he was on an entirely different planet than I was. Not only that he was, you know, being super condescending, but also that he was really trying to trick the consumer versus actually help the consumer, which is very different, right? And so I had been tricked for years around diet soda and thinking that it was actually better for me. And what I was hearing from him was that, you know, that's all the consumer needed was just actually, you know, something that where words sort of skewed them to, to do something that ultimately made them money. And I mean, it was extremely disturbing on a lot of levels, but I also, I feel like sometimes when people say stuff that is just so rude and alarming to you, you know, you can do two things. Like you could, I could have hung up the phone on him. I could have yelled back at him or I could just listen for an hour in somewhat disbelief, learn his strategy and recognize that sometimes people with lots of experience and industry experts are not going to help you actually do what you want to do because they don't get it right? And they, they're not on a mission and clearly not on a health mission. And so I'm really thankful in some bizarre way, as, as crazy as that may sound, for that conversation. Because again, I, I viewed him as like this godlike figure. And that I don't know if you've ever had that situation, Rebecca, um, with anybody like that, that you, know, you just really clearly had messaging and purpose when you were launching this, you wanted to solve a problem. And like how many people just said, oh, stupid. Like, why would you just launch with a bag? You know, like it, I, whatever it was, right. And these people that are, you know, icons, like that you just sit here and look at and you think that they're going to solve all your problems. The reality is, is that they're probably not going to do that. They probably don't really understand what you're ultimately up to. Yeah. I think sometimes in these scenarios, it takes one to know one. I think they only know their career and their path and they've never been a founder or an entrepreneur. doesn't mean they can't turn into one, but when you're, when you've been in something that long and you know what the cogs and the wheels are, it's a little hard to, you get 
pigeonholed yeah. into, into one idea. Totally. So I'd love for you to tell my listeners where can they find the book and where obviously they can find Hint Water everywhere, but where can they follow you and, and get the book? Yeah. So it's called Undaunted Overcoming Doubts and Doubters and Amazon and Hint is on Amazon as well, or both are also available on our website at drinkhint.com and bookstores everywhere as well. But it's uh, it's very exciting and hopefully uh, you'll pick it up or gift it and it hopefully it'll really inspire you to really know that you know you can get through challenging times and go do stuff even if you don't have experience. It's just basically thinking about it as let's go solve lots of problems. Yeah. And I think now now that we know that there is a mass exodus of women in the workplace, I'm predicting a mass influx of female entrepreneurs from this exodus. So um, I think it's a great book to sort of launch that that mindset. Yeah, totally. And I, I totally agree with you. I, I'm really excited to hear what's going on or what will happen in 2021, because I think that when, when there's challenging times, there's also big things that get developed and startups happen and entrepreneurship is at its highest. So I'm very, very bullish on, on what we'll find in 2021. Totally. So there's two questions I like to ask all my guests before we end, and it's what would be something we'd be surprised to know about you? I have a fear of heights. Okay. How high until you get scared? I challenge myself every single year. So my one of the chapters in the book is my experience at the Grand Canyon. Um, so which is uh, 10,000. Yeah. So pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah. I definitely get that that nauseating feeling if I'm too high. So I, I feel you. Yeah. And then what is some great piece of advice either you learned the hard way yourself or someone gave you that you'd love to pass on? That if you set your mind to something and it's more likely that you will be able to accomplish it than not. And I think that so often we all have these blocks, right? We think, oh, I can't do that. But when you dig deep, do you actually want to do it? I focus on uh, really trying to get rid of this fear um, because I don't choose to live with fear every single year. And what I find is that it gets easier every time I go and challenge it. It hasn't gone away, but I continue to go and challenge it every single year. And, and so again, like, you know, you keep chipping away at these things and these hard things and these fears that ultimately what you'll recognize is that you can actually do a lot of things if you just set your mind to it. I love that. And I think you bring up such a I want to underline if you really want to do it, because I think people mm -hmm. see the sexiness. They're like, oh, it must be light, nice living Kara's life or Rebecca's life. But you're like, oh, sister, let's pull back the bedspread and show you the real, the real, real, right? Not in a yeah. bad way, not in a negative way, but just knowing what's what's actually true and real and happening and the struggle and the fight. And again, not shaming that it's part of the journey, but knowing that you're willing to do that stuff, I think is so key. So key. Yeah. Well, this was awesome. Thank you for your candor. And um, I'm so excited for everyone to get the book and read it. It was a great read. I had to I had to read it in the bathroom away from my kids. That was my private time. <laughs> but it was great. I, in the oh bathroom. Oh my God. Yeah. That's hysterical. Yeah. So funny. 
Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget to head over to RebeccaMinkoff.com. Show your love and support for the brand. Buy something for yourself. Buy something for another. And also don't forget to try my new fragrance. Again, it is available at all Nordstrom, Macy's, Scentbirds, and Birchboxes, as well as our site.